Shelly Luther will spend the next week in jail. Now the judge. One salon owner in North Texas. Well, she learned that the hard way. And a hair salon owner who had also opened up her store has been jailed. Luther tore up the citation to the cheer of the crowd. But in Dallas, salon, salon owner Shelly Luther faced seven days in jail for... So your client is in jail right now? But yesterday, a woman by the name, and I want you to remember this name, a woman by the name of Shelly Luther in Texas. We don't support the random jailing of, for example, the woman who's now a household name, Shelly Luther. I thought it was terrible. I thought he was a terrible judge. The, the prisoner would like to speak a word. You need to apologize. What were you thinking when he said he, you need to apologize to the politicians? I was like, what? So, sir, if you think the law is more important than kids getting fed, then please go ahead with your decision, but I am not going to shut the salons. They're putting this woman in jail because she's trying to feed her kids. The whole thing is screwed up. Well, I'm, I'm proud to stand with Shelly Luther, and I'll tell you what happened to her was wrong. Yeah. I'm not anyone special. I just know that I have rights. You have rights to feed your children and make income. And anyone that wants to take away those rights is wrong. We only had people in Washington, D.C. who had half the guts of this patriot play Shelley Luther. Hi, I'm Shelley Luther, owner of Salon a la Mode. A year ago, life was much different for me. Besides owning the salon, I was a musician and performed several times a week with my husband, Tim, traveling all over the country, living what I thought was truly a dream life. But then my life changed dramatically as the coronavirus swept the nation, closing small businesses and erasing the entertainment industry. I was forced to make a choice, lose my home and livelihood, or stand up against overreaching executive orders and open my business. In that defining moment, my life changed forever. Since then, I've worked hard to help other people who are struggling due to the ongoing pandemic. During my journey, I've met many other people like myself that have had to make critical decisions at crucial moments in their lives. These ordinary people have done extraordinary things with their lives, impacting others around them with positive results and making changes in the world for the greater good. These modern day heroes never sought fame or rewards for their actions. They simply were presented with a situation or obstacle that required them to reach down deep inside and act with strength, courage, and faith. Their stories deserve to be heard, and that's why I'm excited to bring these ordinary, everyday people and their extraordinary defining moments to you on my show, Courage to Stand. Please help me welcome Jara Hutchins. And it's good to see you again. This is so cool. I'm so proud of you, man. Thank oh, you so much. This is weird, huh? Joyful. Yes. This is so weird. A year ago, um, yeah, a year ago, I would say I would probably be taking an afternoon nap right now. Yeah. <laughs> or like, who knows? Not like, you know, preparing to go speak at CPAC and all of these people wanting to talk to me like I'm important. Yeah. But I feel like that's why we have the show because a lot of people come up to me and they say, oh, you're a hero. And I don't see it that way. I, I know a lot of people do, but I see it as I just stood up and I thought I was doing something right in my own little world. And then all of these people reach out and say, you're doing something that represents us. So along this journey, I meet someone like you and you touched my heart, obviously. You're sitting here, you, you touched my heart. And not even knowing a lot about you, 
but just knowing that you've really impacted people's lives for good. And I want people to hear your story. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we, I mean, to your point, I, I think we live in a fearful nation where a lot of people don't want to be the first one to go, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Or I want to stand up against that. It's, it's, it's all about, you know, waiting for someone else to do it. And, and for me and my story, it really came down to, you know, if not me, then who? Right. Yeah, I think it, so and that's you, what it was for you. It, it is. But you know what? I'm looking at your story and thinking, I don't know if I could have survived that. <laughs> I, seriously, I don't know if I could have lived and been okay. And not only are you okay, I didn't know you before this, but you are an extremely you have a strong presence. And even though you're a little package, you're, you, you know, you're tiny. <laughs> From what I know, you're pretty, you're kind of scary. Like you could be in a good way. It's, it's like what doesn't kill us, <laughs> you know? <laughs> what makes you stronger. Makes us stronger, yeah. That's right. So can you, so, can you tell us, I, I know something traumatic happened to you when you were younger. Can, can you, I, and I don't want to dive deep into that because it's not of a lot of people's business, but it does have part, it does have something to do with your story. Don't you think? You're right. It, it really wasn't anyone's business, but if we're going to combat this, we've got to talk about it. And so there is a part of, of me and a part of a lot of women who have endured this, that it, there's shame and you want to keep it a secret. Uh, but if we're going to encourage people to stand, mm -hmm. then we've got to encourage them to talk about it and, and be okay with kind of coming into the forefront with what happened to them. Okay. So you were how old when the first incident happened? I was 16. So you're 16 years old. You're in high school. And can you just give kind of like a tiny brief synopsis of the situation? Uh, I, was, I was raped by my stepdad's best friend. Oh my God. And it was, uh, you know, my parents struggled with alcoholism and addiction. And uh, when I went to them with it, they, they did not believe me. Oh my gosh. And I think that there are a lot of people who, whose parents are in that situation uh, who just kind of take the easy way out. And for me, it made me be silent because I thought to myself, well, if my parents don't believe me, no one will, who's, who's going to believe you? You know, why would I, why yeah. would I go to the police? Why would I go to anyone, anyone else? And so, uh, it was just, and it kind of started this whole, you know, domino effect of, of silence and shame. And then the, which you shouldn't feel that, but as a 16 year old, what do you do? You, 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 you have feel no alone. life experience. Yeah to gauge this on. I'm so sorry. You know, you have no life experience to gauge this on. And it's a, it really sets you up for failure in your future because you've already been taken advantage of by people that are so close to you. And you've already, you feel a sense of abandonment mm -hmm. from people that are close to you. Right. And you really don't know how to Trust. Trust and engage and what's mm -hmm. healthy and what's not healthy. And so there's always just this sense of survival. There's this wall that you put up where you're, you constantly have to protect yourself from, from things that you don't know. Right. You don't really trust. And sometimes those things aren't even there, but you, you don't, you're scared of things that aren't even there sometimes. Oh, so much anxiety, so much apprehension. Wow. With that. That so, had to be really hard. It was very tough. And there was, uh, you know, as I got older uh, and I, I, I had, you know, it made me 
I don't know if that made me ambitious, but I had an ambitious nature mm-hmm. uh, about wanting to be successful. I was from a really small town. Um, I grew up pretty poor. I mean, we didn't have a lot. And I didn't want to live that life. Um, my grandparents were amazing people. My grandfather was an entrepreneur. He had a small window washing business that he and his cousins had all throughout East Texas. And so I got to see him have this sort of sense of entrepreneurship and owning his own time mm-hmm. and uh, being able to work on the things that he loved. Like mm-hmm. he loved being a carpenter. Uh, he loved building things. Uh, he was very active in the church. And mm-hmm. I was like, I, w- I want to be like that. You know, yes. I don't want to be like my parents who are struggling all the time. Right. I want to be like that. So I was always just kind of wanting to be there and wanting to hear, you know, what he had to say and, and just take those kind of life lessons. And I wanted to be successful in business and, and have a good career. So I kind of moved to Dallas during my college years and um, started school and then didn't finish and ended up getting a really good job. Uh, That's why I didn't finish, because I ended up getting a really good job. Not everybody's made for for, quote unquote college. No. It's not for everybody. And I'm so glad to see the trades making a comeback. (laughs) I know, me too. Me too. (laughs) My daughter wants to go to welding school. I'm like, hallelujah, do it. That is so awesome. (laughs) I know. She should... Totally do that. Wasn't I know that what the chick did in flash dance. Yes, <laughs> welding. I'm like, who who knew? But it's great. I love it. I think they should make a comeback. And, and college isn't for everyone. And I think that we we did a lot of young people a disservice by promoting that as the only way only to move way forward to be successful. Successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went into. Um, I was a, a pharmacy tech for CVS Corporation when I was like 19 years old, uh, and then I uh, got into the oil and gas business and. Uh, went on a trip and uh, was was coming back from a trip and uh, this guy just struck up this conversation with me at the the ticket counter where I was checking my bag. He worked there and yeah, he worked for the airline. Yeah, and um, I was just in no mood. You know, it was <laughs> yeah. super early in the morning. You can imagine how yeah. conversational Airports I wanted anyway. to be at yeah. seven o'clock in the morning. You know, checking my bag, um, but I didn't really think anything of it. And uh, when I got home and turned my phone on, uh, I had messages from him. What? Oh, yeah. So he took your information off of your baggage tag mm-hmm. and thought it was okay to call to contact you me without your permission. Yeah. So this whole, this whole Me Too movement, this whole uh, idea of, of women standing up for their privacy and personal space really hit me hard mm-hmm. and it kind of brought me out of the silence. Yeah. It brought me out of, you know, being afraid to be vocal or opinionated about this or go, hold on, I had an experience about that too. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't feel alone anymore. No. Now, with that being said, I can, you can kind of tell who the, who the players are in that movement and who's lying about it to get attention because that happens too. I mean, we have to be fair, but there are a lot of women that, that were, that were kind of standing up in that me too movement going, I was discriminated against, or I was sexually assaulted at work or sexually harassed Mm -hmm. at work, or I was raped or, you know, I didn't consent to that. And Mm -hmm. I get it that the lines can be blurry, 
sometimes, but yes is yes and no is no. Right. Well, what's you scary know? is this happens to men too. It does. And, and they're even more afraid yeah. to talk about it because they don't want to feel emasculated and they don't want to, they don't want to admit that they got taken advantage of, but right. women can be sexual predators just as much as men can. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's about, we, we really do have to establish these boundaries as humans and go physical touch is, is not something that you sh should just happen. No. You know, you, you, you don't have the right to go up and touch anyone. No. Honestly, no one does. And don't be <laughs> offended. If, I'll tell you who it happens the most to and just freaking blows my mind because, <laughs> is, and I see it all the time, not so much during the pandemic, but before is pregnant women. Oh yeah. Everybody feels like they can come and up touch. and touch the belly <laughs> of a pregnant woman. And there's nothing more offensive than that. You're it like, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> I want I want to assault someone when I see it. Like I have to literally oh my hold God. myself back. Yeah. Wait, no, you don't want to go to jail. I've been there. You don't. <laughs> Tell me that this guy, yes. you got this guy to stop calling you, please. <clears throat> yeah. So it was so crazy because he was like, he was messaging me on MySpace and he was uh, emailing me and he had my cell phone number. So I, I'm like, you know, if I could, if I could ever give you advice, <laughs> people that are watching this, you write the minimal amount of information on your luggage tags. I think name and email address is plenty. Or just carry on and don't write anything on it. Something honestly. because <laughs> the, I mean, it was so crazy that this person, you know, thought that was okay. And I, I did, I had to take it to the police and they had to get involved. And he was, I mean, this was a big, you know, stalker situation. And then, you know, fast forward to. That's crazy. Oh, and so then, you know, fast forward to a couple of years ago, uh, you know, I had somebody break into my house at 6.30 on a Saturday morning while I was home. So I lived in an area of Fort Worth that was really close to the hospital district. And, you know, they have a wing in that particular hospital that's the psych ward. Mm -hmm. And they can only hold these folks for so long. And then when they let them out, there's just this whole influx of weirdness that happens in this particular neighborhood. That's and, good to know. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you checked that out when you were buying your house. Yeah, like. I was like, I rented, <laughs> I rented. Okay. But uh, it was it was so weird. So I, I rented this really just charming carriage house in the back of this sort of old plantation property on this private street mm -hmm. in Fort Worth. And my uh, landlords lived right in front of me. And so she never calls me. I mean, do we ever call anybody anymore? No. I mean, come on. No. So she usually texts me if she needs something. And she called me and she said, she goes, Jara, somebody's breaking in the house. And she saw the person from her house or like. They, they were breaking in her house. Oh my God. And, um, she said, uh, she was like, somebody, somebody's breaking in the house. And so, and, and let me tell you, Shelly, I've never slept naked again <laughs> since this day. Okay. Good to know. I'm always afraid to, anyway, just to be honest, small fire or whatever. That's all I need is to be standing outside I mean, in front of my house. I mean, it was, naked. it was hot. It was like August. Right. Yes. And so you think you live alone. It's fine. Never again. Okay. <laughs> because I had, I had to like rush out of bed. I'm not laughing at put that. Put on I'm pants, <laughs> okay? You know, put on pants and, uh, you know, I've got, uh, you know, I've, now I've got my gun on my, on my bedside table and, um, she, she was like, he's coming to your house. He's coming to your house. And sure enough, he had come down the driveway. He had given up on breaking into their house and he had come down my driveway and was trying to break my door open. And, uh, and I just, I came right down the stairs and he got a 40 caliber right in his face. And I was like, Stop. brother, yeah, I was like, you don't want it today, man. <laughs> and, uh, he, and he, he was like, oh my God, you know, and 
he ran away, but across the street, our neighbor, he ran over to their house. and Right directly you, after yours? Yes, and you could tell that he was... Uh, you could tell that he was high. I mean, there was something wrong with him. Come to find out he was a schizophrenic heroin addict oh. uh, that had gotten released. And so, yeah, sad story. So, um, it's sad for him. Why did, why did they release these people? But that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother show. But that is, it's still, a whole nother problem, you know, that we have, which is all the more reason that you should, everyone should have personal responsibility for their own safety. I mean, imagine mm -hmm. if I had not been prepared for that. Right. Imagine if the I government is supposed to protect you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, though, let me let me ask you something. Would you have had time to call the police? And I mean, who knows if he's armed or whatever, but say you dial 911. Would that situation have gone down differently? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. They never would have gotten there in time. I mean, let's I mean, you have to think about it comes it comes down to science. Mm -hmm. Physics dictates that the only people that can personally or purposefully respond to a situation of duress are the people that are already there. Mm -hmm. So no one's just going to magically appear, you know, like when you sing the song in the in the State Farm commercial, like nobody's just going to magically. <laughs> that would be great. Appear for or you. disappear would be even better. Yeah. <laughs> No one's going to, that's never going to happen. And so you, you have to take responsibility for the things that could happen to you when you're alone. And I think that leads us to not only why you're a hero, because I want to save that till after the break. We're going to tell everybody exactly why you do what you do now and how you've helped thousands of people. We'll be right back. The following are sponsors for today's show. If you'd like to become a sponsor, please visit us at CourageToStand.com. Amy Autry offers customized health insurance options. She is licensed and appointed with multiple health insurance and health share companies, so she can review all your health insurance needs, advise, enroll, and support you ongoing with your policy. Amy has over six years of experience as a health insurance broker to save you time and money in shopping and enrolling in a customized health plan that fits your needs and budget. Give her a call today to save. Hi, welcome back to the show. I'm here with Jara Hutchins, and uh, she was just explaining about some of the crazy things that have happened in her life that have made her the person that she is today. And so, Jara, we're all curious. What do you do today? Like, I know it's a lot to explain. <laughs> like, give us, give us kind of a synopsis. Give us an idea of some of the things that you do. And it has to do with putting up the fight and saying, you know, I'm not going to be a victim in this situation. Absolutely. Well, somewhere between the stalker and the home invader. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, mean, I mean, I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> but now that you can laugh, I'm like, Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> Somewhere after the rape, but between <laughs> no. the stalker and the home invader, um, I, I really started to ponder what my safety looks like mm -hmm. to me and, and how I can achieve preparedness. And the more that I pondered on it, and you know, and I, I think that you're a, a believer like I am. I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian woman, mm -hmm. and I, I really felt like God was putting it on my heart to be a protector. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember just being younger and, and in my 20s and kind of questioning, you know, when I would see things happen in current events and on the news with, with guns or violence. And I, I remember saying, somebody should do something about that. Why doesn't the government do something about that? And then it kind of clicked in my brain, this light came on and said, you're the somebody. <laughs> I'm the somebody. It's yeah. me, yeah. you know, and why would I want to beg for something that I can just be? 
Right. Okay. Why would I want to farm out something to somebody else that I can just do? Yeah. Okay. And so um, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to start, I'm going to start getting an education. And so I started going, I just became immersed. I started taking tons of gun classes, tons of defensive, you know, self-defense classes, hands-on self-defense classes. And, um, I did MMA for six years. Um, wow. so I did some MMA tournaments. I boxed Kevin Von Erich's daughter one time. That was what? crazy. <laughs> uh, and so what spawned out of that was, uh, my business, which is, uh, clearing the chamber. And I started teaching women how to do this for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's so amazing. I'm so (laughs) proud of you. Thank you. Um, You know, you really could have laid down and been a victim and said, oh, woe is me. What do I do? Who can help me? Um, And for you to stand up and say, I'm that person. Not only do your circumstances help you, but your circumstances might've happened because you were created to help others. No doubt I was born to do this. I was, this was my entire calling and my entire purpose. And I think that there are so many people that go through life that are too afraid to just be obedient to their calling. Mm-hmm. And God talks about that. I actually just read a book, or I just wrote a book actually called The Christian Principles of Self-Defense because I, I get asked all the time, how can you be a Christian and carry a gun? Right. Uh I wrote a book about it. Right. Well, God teaches you to stand up. He does. And, and he, we, we have to rescue the needy and the weak. Yeah. Well, we can't, we can't do that without being prepared physically and mentally to do that. But self-defense has to be deployed with wisdom intact. Right. And that's something crazy that a lot of people don't get in this Mm -hmm. nation. And that's because our government is oppressing this education. Right. If we had, if they were, they were standing up, if, if mayors and senators and congressmen were standing up and encouraging the citizens of their districts to gain for themselves a self-defense education, Mm -hmm. I promise you mass shootings would be minimal. Minimal. They're already minimal. They're really, mm-hmm. they're really a rare occurrence mm-hmm. statistically. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but it's the right. truth. But they would be ne- next to nothing. Okay? It's like any type of subject, though. If you're ignorant about it or you don't know a lot about something, it's scary. It's like when AIDS first you know, came about and it's like the coronavirus. It's very, very scary at first when you just get lumps of information, true we fear or what untrue. We, we fear what we don't know. Um, with guns, and I will say that Tim and I, I mean, we took, we took LTC classes from you. Um, mm-hmm. You reached out to Tim um, because I was getting a lot of threats and we, we did not know each other. And this is how we met. I was getting a lot of threats on my life. And you reached out to Tim, tell us, tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, you came across my Facebook feed uh, about reopening your salon. I read a news article about it. And so I started following you, saw that you were connected to Tim, started following Tim. And he was kind of, you know, keeping everybody updated on mm-hmm. what was going on poor with Tim. you. I know, poor Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and I just was reading this and I'm scrolling through it and I'm going, my, this is my soul sister. Yes. Like she is doing the things that need to be done. And so I reached out to Tim, never expecting to hear back, but I said, you know, Man, I see that people are threatening to burn down your your place of business. People are threatening to kill you. I know what that's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, if you need personal protection, I'll sit. You know, like I'll come mm-hmm. sit in front of there, in front of your mm-hmm. salon with my AR, and I'll get this done. Okay. Okay. Let me just tell <laughs> y'all. Look at this. She's beautiful. I mean, she's she's tiny, and she wants to protect. I love that about. Are you packing right now? I am. Stop. Right there. Stop. Yep, I love that. Always. Anywhere I can. Always. Yeah. 
that's every day. That is so amazing. Every I'm day. so proud Only of you. Only 4% of the Texas population has a license to carry. Only but how many people are carrying a gun? And only 2.4% of that population carries every day. And how many of those do you think are women? Not very many. Okay, like we gotta make it, we gotta make a stand for this. Well, look, you can still look very good. You can. And pack a gun. Absolutely. I mean, you, they'll have to go to, uh, where. how can people reach you? Let's start there because I will mention it and we'll put it up on the show, but... Um, what you said, uh, clearing the chamber. Yeah, I'm at clearing the chamber on Instagram. I'm at clearing the chamber on Facebook. Uh, I'm, you know, clearing the chamber at gmail.com. Just email me. But you me teach you men questions. too. This is not only women, but your main focus was to give women that empowerment. Yes, because I went down to, I had already started my business and I was teaching classes like introduction to handgun, introduction to AR, introduction to shotgun. And I went down to Austin to get my license to carry certification to be able to teach LTC in Texas. And there were 180 men in this class to get their LTC certification. How many women? Two. Wow. Me and this awesome chick that would just uh, retired from the Navy. Of course. And she and I were sitting together. And, and what they do is these instructors for the Department of Public Safety, they kind of beat it into you that you're never going to make a full-time living doing this because the market, market is so saturated and it's got to be a side hustle and a passing project and a community effort. And it is mm -hmm. all of those things. But me and Courtney are looking at each other <laughs> like, uh, hold my beer, dude, because... <laughs> You don't know how underserved yes. the female market is yes. in this endeavor. So I came back in, in November of 2017, I got my license, or I took the class. And then in early December of 2017, I had my certification. I started putting classes out and I thought, I'm going to get three classes in December. 27 classes. Wow. I had in a holiday month at Christmas. What year was this? 2017. Wow. Okay. So, and it's been rolling, you know, ever since. So yeah, I do teach men, but it was you really important. I, I do. Um, I've, I've taught uh, politicians and celebrities. Most and we of won't who, name them because we want you to be surprised if you try to break in their house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they wanted to remain anonymous. I mean, and yeah. I offered you, I offered that to you too. I said, yes. if you want to do this, I'll, I won't put it out on Facebook. I won't do anything. No, it's okay. I want, want people to, to know that, you know, but, but um, yeah, Jared did teach Tim and myself Privately, you even do private lessons. Um, there's some people that don't like group settings or don't want people to know or want to learn at a faster pace. You're very accommodating when it comes to I that. That's what made my business so successful is, you know, for people that were like, I want to get this done on Tuesday at one o'clock. I had an ER doctor that asked me if I could start the class at one o'clock in the morning so that he could make it to his shift at oh seven, you know, and he just, he wanted to get it done on his own terms. So then um, I was overwhelmed at the amount of mothers that were coming to my classes that had teenagers or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds that were just now starting to understand the mm -hmm. value of their safety. Mm -hmm. And well, for that me, fear is just bred into you. Guns are guns are bad. Guns are bad. Guns are bad. Until you're on the wrong side of one. Right. Uh, until you find yourself in a situation of immediate violence, mm -hmm. you don't really understand how. how imperative it is for you to be proactive and not reactive, you know, in your safety. And so it just really became my mission to, uh, to teach women how to get and gain and keep and maintain that preparedness because it is a daily thing. Your time management 
is directly correlated to your safety. So these people, they're not snatching kids up from their daddies. They're yeah. snatching them up from the frazzled, distracted, stressed out mm -hmm. mom. Okay, so. The victim. You got, yeah, you got to get your life together in more ways than just mm -hmm. your safety, right? right. So it's, this is a whole culmination of a brand new lifestyle mm -hmm. that women can embrace where you don't have to say yes all the time to everything mm -hmm. because your safety and the safety of your children could potentially be at risk. And, so, and you may never use it. You may never use it, you may never have to pull it, but if you have the necessary training and that situation does come up, you can defend yourself. 100%. Otherwise, there's no other choice. Absolutely, and then you're, and then you're dead. You're dead, you're, you're, you're almost guaranteed to die. Yeah. If you, don't, if you don't have some sort of training, you fall back on your lowest level of training. And if you have none, that's all you have to fall back on. And, and so you can't protect your kids that And way. it's empowering women to, you know, and there's a really great book called The Gift of Fear that I encourage all of my female students, especially to read, because it, it talks about, you know, listening to your intuition. And a lot of times women don't want to do that because they don't want to come off as rude, mm -hmm. you know? And at the end of the no, day- No, let's be rude. You know, like, <laughs> I'm, done with, I'm done with that now. Yeah. That all political correctness and all of that, like, no, we just have to stand up for ourselves, and um, I'm just so I'm so proud of you. I didn't know all of the all of your story, um, and I appreciate you really just spilling your guts to people to let them know that that took courage in itself. Um, but I want people to know that if they want training from Jara, if you want Jara to personally train you, you live in the DFW area, or if you just even want to come up and how long does it take? It's for someone. The license to carry class is four hours. Um, an introduction to handgun class is one hour. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's not difficult. It's yeah. not a hard thing to learn. And you took us. You took us you um, to the um, shooting range or whatever. We I didn't do bad for my first time. I will say. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. You were actually my little sharpshooter. Oh, here. thank you. So. Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. And I know we'll be friends for a long time. And if I do need that protection, hopefully I don't. I'm calling you. Well, I am thankful, thankful, thankful that you are getting the word out about people who have overcome obstacles, who have taken control of their lives, who are speaking out against the things that matter. Because if we're silent, it all it does right. is just it just breeds it just more corruption. Mm -hmm. It just breeds more animosity. So we've got to stand up for the things that matter. And I'm yes. so appreciative of you. Thank you. Everyday heroes are all around us and their stories deserve to be told. Thanks for tuning in and for partnering with us to build a community of heroes. For more information, visit courage to stand .com. And please share this with everybody that you know on social media. And don't forget to tune in next week for another amazing guest. Bye.